Ready for round two? <laughs> I feel like we've done this before. Yeah, it's almost like we were here, like, what, five hours ago? What's terrible is that that was, was actually a good show. It was, it was a good. What's even worse is that I had all the fans off and all the windows closed in my hot ass third floor apartment for nothing and for that whole show. And then now I have to do it again. Is it still that hot out there? It can't be that uh, hot. On the third floor, it's still kind of hot. But yeah. Well, these takes are going to heat it up. Oh, God. Let's just get this over with. Fire Vogel. Do you agree? Do I agree to what? Fire Vogel. He... Oh, my God. Is that what you just said? <laughs> I thought you yelled fireball. I'm out here just shouting like Pitbull. Fireball. It's late. This is your second podcast. I figured, you know, you had. I am drinking a fiery old fashioned. Yeah. Okay. Old so fashion. see. Yeah. You admitted no. it yourself. I'm not outing you for drinking on the air. <laughs> oh, yes. Nobody who has ever listened to our show would I ever just know. I just don't want to be the one that, that puts that out there into the open for the first time. <laughs> definitely the first time nobody has any idea john Gennaro, I'm, I'm really not drinking it's just it's just brown water no yeah he was joking that was uh shirley temple mm-hmm. um shouts to joel Embiid. did you see that did you see joel Embiid's like thing where he was like no nah, i didn't really change much i just was more intense about the way i went about this offseason yeah he said that like he doesn't want to change any dietary things because he's like i've been doing this at a high level so i should get some say it's like well you know who should also probably get, say, nutritionist. <laughs> he was just super intense while he was drinking his Shirley Temples. Yeah. Anywho, this is actually the second time we've recorded this podcast today. Uh, so what we are Welcome going to, to the do... Lake Show on the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. <laughs> what we are going to do... a basketball podcast. It is. It is. But we are going to start off the court. That's where the focus is to start this the show as the Lakers are now in China. They have landed. Um, the Chinese government, the Bureau of Education, is canceling events now that they have to go well, with. So far, they just canceled the Nets event. They did not cancel the Lakers event as no. of this recording. But that may happen soon. We don't know. We'll it see. was like, you know, when we recorded this five hours ago, we talked about how this was quickly going to become a Lakers story that, you know, yep. they were headed into a firestorm, which if you had not heard, started off with Daryl Morey tweeting about, uh, you know, standing with the people of Hong Kong on Saturday night over the weekend. Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta quickly rebuked him for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the NBA has since released like a wishy-washy statement about it and made Mori kind of apologize, but not really apologize. And there's just this weird like standoff between the league and China. China is like the you know, the networks over there removing all mentions of the Rockets. They aren't mm-hmm. like allowing people to watch them or mention Mori at all. And despite, so, despite James Harden's public apology to the Republic of China. Yes. And so it's like it's there. It's this huge mess that the Lakers did not create, but are headed direct. I mean, if anything, they really, are now in it. 
Yeah, they are now headed directly towards it. They are now there. Mm-hmm. And like this is going to become a Lakers storyline. Whether they cancel those events or not, we're going to get we're going to hear how the Lakers get asked how they feel about this. We're going to see how they respond. And like this is going to be, like it or not, like this is going to be a Lakers storyline. If it isn't by the time this podcast is up. Yeah, I I, I would it wouldn't shock me if we started to get some of the you know, kind of bits and pieces of of the Lakers really being linked into this. And and look, this is usually a basketball podcast. This is a basketball podcast feed, right? But this is now a story that extends beyond basketball. You had politicians on both sides of the aisle out there talking about how they were, they were showing their support of Maury, Daryl Maury. By the way, why do you add a W to his name? Say Daryl Maury. I thought it was Daryl Maury. Yeah, why why is there a W there? I just thought that's how it was pronounced. We can just add it to the list. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think is so. Is it just Maury? I, I think it's just Maury. I've never heard somebody go, like, you're calling him, like, Mowgli. All right, well, whatever. Just add it to the list of things <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> but anywho, you have, and and actually, this is kind of, so this is my, my stance on this. It's not that it's changed, but I would add this to kind of the stuff that we talked about earlier today that nobody oh, will that, ever that know. that nobody just, heard about, yeah. so they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, good point. But this isn't – so the 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 Mori aspect of this isn't about how you feel about China. There are precious few, very, very few people who are actually informed enough about the situation in China to have a, a fully informed stance to take on the things that are going on in China. That's why Steve Kerr, when he was asked about it, earlier tonight yesterday by the time you guys are listening to this he basically said i don't know enough about this to comment either way right but the part that kerr kind of misses out there is that this is a foreign country applying pressure to the nba to muzzle one of its employees and that's a very different political conversation than anybody anybody's stances on how they feel about things that are going on in China and in between China and Hong Kong. And and now I that is something that is a very different conversation, but I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing that anybody wants to talk about out there in China while they're there. No, yeah, I would not imagine. I mean, I think we, we were going back and forth about this, and I think the only person that there is like even a chance that has like enough of kind of a platform that they've built up for themselves and is unassailable enough that they would even consider commenting and walking into this like, you know, my potential minefield is uh, is LeBron James, who, you know, obviously has a sizable interest in being liked in China. You know, it's like as uh, it was Chris Mannix actually ended his column the other night with like a great line of like the of China buys sneakers, too. And that's why you weren't going to hear about like, like a whole lot about this from a lot of people. And yes, so like LeBron, of course, like they he don't has just this buy lifetime. sneakers; they make them there. Like well, they are yeah, a I mean, huge part of the equation yeah. of the Nike model and all that's of these whole, models. That's a whole other part of it, which is why you know he may say similar things that, that Kerr said tonight about not really understanding the issue and not wanting to talk about something he's not informed on. Which, like you know, it would be hard to blame him. For that, and it just like it would be hard for me to blame anyone for that stance because that has like a lot to lose because you know like at the end of the day like most people are just looking out for themselves and like that's how, that's definitely what the NBA is doing especially right now. corporations. Like, it's also yeah. like it's one thing if you're a politician, it is your job to kind of step up for what's right at least 
theoretically. Um, and, <laughs> you know, like all of this stuff. But like LeBron is a basketball player. And yes, his words carry weight. But his job is not to tell us how to feel about social issues. Just like we shouldn't be looking to the NBA to tell us what mm -hmm. is okay and what isn't okay socially. And like, but I, I say all of this because LeBron has kind of built his nest egg at this point. like Literally is, more than an athlete. Yes. He is, well, yes, he has that reputation and brand to uphold as well. But he's also like, he's built up enough fortune and enough wealth and uh, enough of the all these other industries that he is like the one guy that theoretically doesn't really need China if they're going to censor him uh, in some way and like could take a stand on this. I don't necessarily expect that. I don't know that it's necessarily reasonable to yeah, ask. I I'm not sure it's fair to expect it of him. Yeah, but like he's the only one that I think there's even a chance will comment on it. I think everyone else we are just going to get kind of wishy-washy you know maybe Kyrie would do it just because he's very very socially conscious even about like ideas that aren't popular um but like outside mm, of those sometimes two, he's just wrong but yeah well yes but like he's you can't say that he's not willing to speak his honest opinion yeah. on things um <laughs> even when like they are gonna get him mocked or made fun of or judged uh and so like those but Kyrie isn't even on the same stratosphere as LeBron in terms of like, you know, having your fortune built up. And so LeBron is the only guy that I feel like is bulletproof enough that he would maybe say something on this. I would be surprised if anyone else like even, you know, says anything beyond. I don't really know that much about the situation. I'm just here to play basketball type thing. This is. I'm going to premise this with. This is going to sound extremely calloused. I'm, this isn't even something that like – because there are human atrocities taking place between China and Hong Kong in that relationship. Like this, yeah. that's it's, – it's, it's impossible to talk about this thing without bringing that stuff up because that is actually going on, right? Yeah. John Oliver just on Sunday night had a piece about China's one kid rule, right? There are, there, there are, there are ways that China's government conducts their business uh, both politically and economically that – all, like that, that rightfully rub people the wrong way, that are rightfully condemned internationally, okay? That's, that's one ha aspect of, of this conversation. The other aspect of this conversation is that the NBA right now is stuck in this place where wokeness is profitable in America. The United States. It or is. At least among the, the NBA's fandom that it has built up. Yeah, it, it, it's wokeness... Social uh, activism, uh, political activism—it is profitable to 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 let it be known how you feel about various issues and stuff like that. But what the NBA is up against right now is that internationally, that isn't always the case with athletes. Athletes are regularly told in 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 foreign territories, "Do shut up and dribble," and that's expected of them. Like that's yeah. the deal. That's how that goes, and. For for, the I mean way that that's they're the, going... still gets said in America. It so, does, it yeah. does. Although it's it's condemned usually as soon as it's said, right? Like Laura Ingram looked like an asshole when she said the stuff that she did. Not to her base, and there's <laughs> you know fair. as we learned in 2016, there's a lot of people yeah. that think that way too. That's fine, just because you but, don't interact with them on Twitter. I'm just saying, like yeah. this is not. We can't say that like oh America is so progressive on this. Like that's, it's that's not. Fair. It is. Yeah. But uh, well, it's not that it's so objectively progressive it's subjectively progressive compared to other territories one yeah. being the one that the lakers are landing in right now or, or are already in right now right and this is my thing is it 
when I said this was going to sound incredibly calloused, if I were in charge of talking the Lakers through this, I would say, take notes from Steve Kerr. Get in, play your basketball, get out. You know, unless you are unless you are absolutely comfortable in the levels to which this conversation has to take place with uh, with with things that are going on between China and Hong Kong, which the vast majority of the people who are who are participating in these NBA events, NBA sanctioned events in China, like the vast majority of people aren't up to date on those issues well enough to be able to speak on those things. And even if they are, if you ruffle the feathers of the Chinese government while you are on Chinese soil, they don't have to be logical in their response to you. They don't have to they it's it's not some incredible stance that they have to that they have to uphold. Now, they can't they can't completely overplay their hand. You know, I'm not saying that I, they aren't going to I don't think they're going to go in and grab up any athlete who dares condemn the stuff that goes on there. But yeah, there no, is no, going to be there is going to be a ripple effect economically that the NBA doesn't want to feel. That's why they had that wishy-washy statement that they made earlier today. Yeah. And uh, no, I, I think that's like exactly right. And like, I think, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't think that we can necessarily expect any of these players to say anything. I think that it would be, I don't know if heroic is the right word, but it kind of would be for them to put their livelihood and like their income and all of that on the line to like take a stance on this and one of the NBA's biggest markets. But mm-hmm. again, like I don't necessarily expect anyone that is not that, you know, on some level, like that is not their job. They are an athlete. And like, I don't necessarily expect that. That's great if people want to take stances for what they believe in. But I, I don't I just don't know that we can expect people to risk, you know, their family's futures for that. Yeah. The the ramifications like, from that's this the reality. It's sad. But that's it is. The it, that's a sad like that's what I was just going to say is that like the, it is unfortunate that you have to talk about these things in these terms where it is just dollars and cents. It's not. It's not logical sense. It's dollars and cents, right? It's it's not activism for the sake of activism. It's it's not saying what you actually feel. It's protecting the bottom line. And in this case, the corporation, as is the case, has always been the case in the history of mankind. The corporation is going to protect its bottom line. The NBA has invested a ton of money and time capital in China, in India, all over the globe to continue to try to expand itself. And in business, if you aren't expanding, you're you're losing ground because somebody else is expanding. And and that's where the, the NBA finds themselves right now, is that is that they want to be able to the and, and this is this is the hypocrisy behind it. The NBA wants to be perceived as this woke league. They want to pat beat their chest as the league that allows players to uh to to voice their opinions on to all tell matters. That he's a bum on Twitter. Yes, they, they that's something that the NBA takes pride in, right? The NBA is also the only league that has a a legitimate and actual rule that tells athletes they have to stand for the anthem. Like that that wasn't talked about enough when when we were when we were praising the NBA for how woke they are. That's an actual rule that they had. Yeah, I and, mean, and that's without mentioning dress code, which is yeah, you know has also like some pretty like dog whistly roots. Yeah, the 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 whole ninja headband thing that they that they literally just went through said that it was a perception thing. They try to play it off as 
as uh, no, uh, they're, safety. They're saying, they're saying yeah. it was a safety thing, but it's just so that Nike can get one of those out and they can like license that. It's just again, again, yeah. it's back to the bottom line. It's, it's the them protecting line. their corporate partners and uh, protecting their income. So, yep. and yeah. I, and I think we're going to see a lot of that here. And and look, as somebody who uh, follows this Lakers team, cares deeply about this Lakers team, part of me is a little nervous about how things go if somebody actually does voice their opinion if lebron does come out and say hey i'm expecting you guys to back off of daryl morey and if you don't back off of daryl morey i'm not going to play in these two games while we're out here right if he does say that what are the ramifications to it what does what does the chinese government do in that spot do they actually do anything i don't know i don't know and i I don't think that i think they'd probably just cancel the games And there'd be, like, serious consequences for the NBA. And then, like, we would talk about LeBron as – we would talk about him differently as an agent of change and, like, the weight and gravity that he can affect the league with. But, yeah. That would be more of – that would be an American issue, right? That would be – that would be LeBron potentially sacrificing – because he's not going to get that relationship back with China, right? That would he – that would be him – sacrificing a bit of his personal wealth and his relationship with the nation of China uh, in order to stand up for the the very American concept of freedom, the freedom of speech, that would be fascinating to take place. Not that I'm putting pressure on him to do it. That's his call. That's his wealth that we're talking about. That's his family's future that we're talking about here. But it would be fascinating to see how that goes down and if that. Yeah, well, and how that would affect the NBA and their income moving forward. But I I don't want to speculate too much on this. I think we've spent, you know, 17 minutes talking about this now. And like, I just don't like at some point we're heading towards territory of like we are talking about things that we are not informed of enough. So like, I think that we should probably at this point awkwardly uh, on over to basketball. You know, even though I don't really know much about that, according to (laughs) according to our listeners and stuff. Yeah, I don't know much about basketball, but I guess I'm going to keep talking about that. We're going to. Yeah, you're at least more qualified. (laughs) Hang tight. We'll be back to talk about uh, the things that we noted from the game over the weekend, what we would like to see moving forward. And then we have a really fun, as I learned earlier today, chapter of Byron's book. Oh, I have to do that again. Okay, yeah. All right, so there was a game. There was a Laker game. That was kind of fun. Yeah, that was like little did we know what was awaiting us on the other side of that Laker game after we had finished, you know, like having fun at finally getting to watch LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the floor together. Like what this week, my, let's just say like my coverage plan is looking very different than it <laughs> was now than it was, you know, a couple days ago. But yeah, that was as like, as weird as it feels like to be talking about a basketball game with everything that's going on, mm-hmm. like that was an incredible basketball. Well, an incredible first quarter. I only got to watch the first quarter because Lucky I had, you. yeah, I had made a personal commitment uh, to Mia that I would go to her friend's birthday party and she agreed to be late so that we could at least watch the first quarter of that game. Um, and I- it was incredible. It's like, like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, are really good at basketball. JaVale McGee is <laughs> hilariously dangerous now that players have to pay attention to like LeBron and one other player. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, re- I am as high on this Lakers team as you can be after one preseason game, one quarter of one preseason game. Consider it a warning at NBA. <laughs> 
Do you think that social media post comes back to bite them? That yes, tweet? one one thousand percent chance. Yes, like, at, some, at, at at probably a hundred points this year, that will be used to make fun of them. Like they're gonna lose some random game to Charlotte, and that's that tweet is gonna be trending again. Yes. Do you think they wind up deleting that tweet at any point? Well, even if they do, you know, it's even funnier. People have screenshots, I'm sure. Yeah, but no, yeah, it's the over Bucks now. took a little bit of a shot at them tonight, and we're just like, consider this a preseason game at NBA. <laughs> and anyway, that's tremendous. I missed that. I was recording the other show. That's really good. That was really funny. <laughs> um, so you only watched the first quarter. That means you only caught seven minutes of Rondo. Uh, I think, right? Yeah, because you played 19 straight minutes in that first yes, half. Yes, I do remember him being in because he had that, like, I still am unsure whether or not it was a shot or a lob pass to AD. Yeah. And I've just decided in my brain to, that it was a galaxy brain Rondo pass to mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, and that's how good their chemistry was. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I do remember him being in. Am I allowed to freak out the way that I'm freaking out about, about Caruso? Because... All right, this actually might make our show better. But between our first recording of the show and now, I have since Anthony written... read a quote from post game and <laughs> two days ago, and I'm freaking out. I'm real nervous. Okay, so do you want to explain to people what you're freaking out about? Yeah. All right. So, well, do you have the quote in front of you? Do you want to pull out the quote? I can. Still... No, I wasn't expecting to talk about this. <laughs> Well, so so after the game, Frank Vogel was was talking about the game, okay, and was asked about it, and when he was talking about the second half, he he seemed to like what he saw from there, which is fine. That that second unit was really battling and stuff like that, as we saw last year when the season was over. The the G League, the the South Bay Lakers came in and played really well to finish the season, um, but. I, there's one aspect of his quote that okay. freaked me out specifically. So what was his quote? Okay, so I'm going to read this, and you got you guys try to guess which part of this made Anthony freak out. I went back and told Kobe Carl that the expectation now is going to be for them to go undefeated with those guys, the way they performed in the second half. Those guys were really good. Zach shot the ball well. They all competed. Demetrius got to the basket. Alex had a strong second Whoa! half. <laughs> Alex? <laughs> What? What the hell? Okay. So then he goes on and he talks about Kaycock and how like he he thought he played really well too. I think it, so in my brain like we all and this is something that you and I talked about while we were writing this. Like a quote is not a legal document. You don't necessarily edit yourself as you're talking, mm-hmm. which is why podcasting is very different than writing and um why we had to be really careful during that first segment. <laughs> uh but like I think that sometimes your brain like it connects different things and like so he may have started out talking about the young guys and then I think he just kind of started talking about the youngish guys that played in the second half and Alex Caruso was in that group I don't think that this was an indication that he expects Alex Caruso to play with the South Bay Lakers this year although it would be very on brand for how Alex Caruso's career has went with the Lakers so far for him to be re-signed to an NBA deal and then spend time with the South Bay Lakers anyway do you think Alex Caruso plays a single game with the South Bay Lakers this year? No, not unless it's a rehab stint or something. I would be livid. Livid. So livid. Like, if he got hurt and they just needed to get him some minutes yeah. somewhere while he was rehabbing, maybe. But other than that, How would he get hurt? He's never going to play. 
<laughs> I think he's going to play. Like the the point that Pete and Darius actually made on the LFR pod that I listened to uh, from like their reactions to game one that I thought was a good one um, was that, you know, there is a possibility that Vogel wanted to see Rondo with some of the rotation guys that night and that maybe one of these other games he will want to see Caruso with those guys and he'll want to see Cook with those guys. And I think that's a fair thing to think is possible right now mm-hmm. that that's just what that was and that it is not an expectation that Rondo is going to be necessarily like the primary bench point guard and that Caruso is just not going to play because the group that he was with would mostly indicate that he's not going to play if that's actually where they consider him in the rotation. But I also think that there's a chance that, you know, he does find himself out outside of the rotation, at least at the beginning of the year, because of the political factors that we've talked about with Rondo. And, um, and like Avery Bradley has seemingly been really impressive during training camp and blown everyone away. So like, you know, that's two point guards and generally you don't play a lot more than that outside of spot minutes. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think that's cr- the correct call. I think the Crusoe should play, but... I, I want. I just want to keep politics out of my sport, Harrison. I, I watch sports to escape from politics. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not your best. <laughs> Here's my thing. Politics be damned. Let's just, let's just set aside politics for a second, right? Because I want to try to quantify how deep an impact these politics have over this roster, over this locker room. We have seen now over a year to this point, right? We saw, like last year, Caruso looked better than Rondo, just flat out, period. Rondo looked terrible. Now, this year could be a little different because Rondo alongside Davis at least makes some sense. Rondo alongside LeBron, not so much, not at all. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But from what we've seen, Alex Caruso is objectively the better player, right? We saw it in the second half of the game that we're talking about right now, where Alex Caruso stepped out there and he was, in my opinion, the best player on the court, which didn't surprise anybody. It was yeah, so well, non- I mean, he was playing with in the G League, basically, in that half, and we've and already Dwight, seen him dominate the G League. Dwight Howard was out there. I thought Caruso looked okay, better than D- Dwight out there. Yeah, no, yeah, sure, Dwight was, but like Dwight was available on a non-guaranteed deal. True, but it's still an NBA player out there. Like we know that yeah, yeah, Dwight's going to be a part of the rotation. Yeah, yeah, but like Caruso being better than like the rest of the guys on the floor at that point is not like it's not it's, that. Big it's what he has to do, right? It's, yeah, it, it, it's what he needed to do. So he took care of what he needed to do, but it's also yeah. like, like I, I just. You have been there for scrimmages. I have seen I'm clips. not falling into this trap again. I'm not falling into <laughs> I have, this trap. I have seen clips of these scrimmages where like in a, it's in a it's a 12 minute scrimmage uh a a 12 minute, you know, kind of piece of the highlight of these scrimmages that they had and Rondo like every time I turned around, Rondo was turning the ball over or was getting beat on defense. At one point he just like randomly walked out of bounds for no reason, right? Uh in last night's game Teams like the, the the defense, the the team, the Warriors that were defending him, they were like walking away from him, literally showing him their back so that he would shoot the basketball. And like my question is because again, I'm trying to quantify how deep a an impact that uh, politics have on this team might be. Like, how bad 
does Rondo have to be for Vogel to recognize that? How good does Caruso have to be for Vogel to recognize this and overlook those politics? Because, like, if it is just a matter of these politics and it isn't a – it is actually surmount, insurmountable for Caruso to break this rotation because of the impact of those politics, then in this regard, the Lakers could be potentially screwed. Because this is now the better player who is not going to get a shot because of those politics. I think I think that is an overreaction to one preseason game um, and, and a some quote. training camp. Yeah, and a quote, and some, but a quote and two that like years to this point, and but a quote that may not mean anything. And there is a new coach with the Lakers, and like the Lakers also have a soft schedule to begin the year, <laughs> and theoretically could survive some Rondo in there, especially if he plays okay with Anthony Davis. Like we have to leave that possibility open. He was okay at the beginning of the year last year, and like when the games actually mattered. I'm not saying he was great, but he mm-hmm. was okay. Um, and maybe he will try harder when, you know, like with the games actually mattering again this year. And like, I I don't think I'm not ready to go to DEFCON one. I know you're always ready to go to DEFCON one. I'm at like three. It's three higher on the DEFCON? No, it's lower. It's like golf. Okay. Yeah. So like the the lower the the number, the the DEFCON three is like your resting state. So (laughs) yeah. You sound like my cardiologist. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I just don't think that this is worth panicking over yet. We've seen one preseason game. Fire we Vogel. may see, like, when they, Hashtag if they play Vogel. Thursday, um, you know. Hashtag when, let Jason Kidd do his thing. Oh, my God. When and if they play on Thursday or Saturday or whenever their next game is. we God, may see we might not even get that. <laughs> oh, no, we're screwed. No, well, they still have other preseason games. They have them in L.A. and two um, more, I think, after that. Yeah, at least. I think there's six. So I think there's three more after that. Three more after that. Um, They play back in L.A., I think, next to, like, a week from today. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, whether they play in between then, who knows? Like, regardless, whenever the next team is, we may see a different rotation. We may see, like rondo not in it as much or we may see caruso getting different minutes vogel even said that he'd experiment with other starters so i'm sure rondo will start at least once um we may get to see caruso start at some point and i think that they may just be experimenting and what you have to hope if you're a guy that's like, like you is very very worried about rondo playing is that like this was just part of the experiment and that all of these things are going to rotate and change and you know if we get to the regular season and that's been the rotation every single night. And yeah, we could probably expect the Caruso is not going to be in it when that games actually start to count. And then, okay, maybe it's time to worry a little. We have to see obviously how those games start to go, but I'm just not with you. And I'm like, like, I think at some point, like you're, you're crying wolf a little bit. You can't set the fire alarm every single time somebody like touches a button on the microwave. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like it's, it's October. You're I'm too really, angry about Rondo for October. I'm really concerned about your your housekeeping abilities because earlier you said you were getting ready to use a uh, a uh, a fire extinguisher on like your oven or whatever it was, right? Like you were. I'm a little nervous. Like, are, is this just you? Like, are you getting subliminal thoughts out there that 
I'm really over in over my head living on my own. Mommy, please help. No, it's not that. It's actually my fiance is like (laughs) horrendous in a crisis and like has very little housekeeping skills whatsoever to start with. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very worried about her doing any of these things. I think that's where it's actually coming from. (laughs) Okay. Um, Anything else that you noticed from this game? Uh, I, I mentioned it briefly. JaVale McGee uh, is really, really dangerous with those other uh, threats, yeah. you know, around like maybe with a with a better defensive team with like more capable big men like that gets neutralized a little bit. But right now, like it's like the defense basically has like, you know, goes in panic mode when LeBron and AD run a pick and roll. And Anthony Davis just kind or JaVale McGee is just kind of like, hey, guys, I'm back here. And <laughs> they just toss him the ball and he dunks it. And it's great. Um and he just gets completely forgotten about, so that's dangerous. Avery Bradley, obviously, statistically, was not incredible in that game. Uh, he picked up, like, the, I believe it was three early fouls. But, like, just his activity level, you can kind of see why he's getting the rave reviews from training camp. Like, the fact that he was picking up Steph full court in a preseason game <laughs> is, like... It's insane, but I'm not really mad at it because it's also the kind of thing that is a tone setter. And Vogel talked about this after the game where like Mm -hmm. he didn't use these words, but the like if Avery Bradley is out there checking like the two time MVP full court during a preseason game, then you can't be like, well, I'm not really going to rotate on this defensive possession. You know what I mean? Like it's just preseason. Yeah. You know? Although I still think LeBron didn't rotate on a play where Steph got a wide open three. Well, okay, LeBron could do whatever he wants, but outside <laughs> of him. <laughs> no, I, I agree with everything that you said there. I want to go back to the JaVale point because yeah. I don't know if over the course of my lifetime, maybe even like ever in Lakers history, the Lakers identity is, no, we're going to punch you in the mouth and just be bigger than you. All right, like they had Shaq. How quickly you forget about Bynum and Powell. And no, Lamar like, Odom. no, I was gonna, I was gonna use those guys as examples. So like Shaq, no, obviously, joined Pete on the hating pow bandwagon. I get it. Yep, <laughs> I'm, I'm around him way too much. But uh, Shaq, obviously, physical and you know dominant presence. But like that team, like Robert Ory was was a big part of that rotation, and he was like one of the first stretch fours. You have. Uh, even, you know, you could go like Horace Grant was kind of more punch you in the mouth. And that's a, a decent example to use. And yeah, Rick I think Fox, Horace Grant would literally punch you in the mouth. Yeah. Like <laughs> uh, his his nephew sure would. Um, <laughs> and his so you got, you know, Kobe was physical ish for, for pretty physical as a, as a perimeter defender on that team. And Rick Fox was definitely willing to, to scrap. So that was, I think, the closest that will come to what the Lakers have now, where they are just LeBron is a monster as a small forward physically. Anthony Davis, monster as a power forward physically. Anthony Davis, I find myself every single time I laugh Anthony or I watch Anthony Davis. So like during the first preseason game, during the limited training camp scrimmages we've gotten to watch, I found myself laughing at least once at just something he does yeah. that seems like it shouldn't even be possible. <laughs> How do you even like the th- I, I remember the, I, this used to hit me a lot with Russell Westbrook when he was closer to his prime. He's a little – it's not that he's washed now, but he's not in his prime anymore. And he would, like, take off from the elbow for a layup. And I would think to myself, how do you even, like, conceptualize that as a human being? Yeah, like, at that's what an point option. your brain just be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to – like, j- I'm going to cock the ball back over my head from the free throw line and <laughs> yeah. try and dunk on this seven-footer. <laughs> right. Like – Davis does that. Davis Davis inspires those kinds of thoughts where 
at that size, you say, how does your brain even conceptualize the idea of, yeah, I'm just going to cross over, step back, pump fake, throw, get Draymond Green, one of the league's best defenders, up in the air, bounce yeah, it's like off almost, of him and throw and bank it in for an AM1. I feel like my brain almost can't even process it sometimes. Yeah. No, Like, absolutely. I don't want to sound over dramatic. It's just so insane like seeing it up close and yeah. like on a normal basis like i've obviously watched anthony davis before but part of it also too is like watching that with lebron and like yeah. he's never well, had that point. before yeah that's it's... my point is that like those guys so those two those are you that's your small forward your power forward and then javel mcgee isn't like you know he's not rudy gobert he's not joel Embiid, big right he's not that better. thick this show is brought to you by javel mcgee um but like he is still like a very physically imposing figure because of how long he is how high he can still jump right and this is like the first time in my life maybe since those Shaq teams because yes the lakers had bynum who was physical just ask jj barea um but powell wasn't like this dominating physical presence he played really well against dwight that one series but he was that's not like what he was best at and then lamar odom wasn't like a crazy physical presence either like that's not what he was that's not he was more skilled than he was anything right and then you know ron artest definitely physically imposing physical defender right definitely <laughs> Maybe the most physically imposing player in NBA history. Right. I will never forget that Tyler Hansbrough moment where like he just he was about to start a fight and then sir? realized there was Ron Artest behind him and just quickly apologized and like offered to buy a copy of his book. I think like, he said sir. Yeah. Like, I think he like literally he went from like what the fuck, bro, to like, no, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. M- Mr. World Peace. <laughs> <laughs> was he like Panda Friend at that point too? Yeah. But, uh no, but I think this team because it's not just those three either. Like Avery Bradley, if he's your starting point guard, he's a big point guard. He's a big – he wants to – as evidenced by that first half, he wants to get physical at that point guard spot. Danny Green is a bigger too. Like this is a big team, and I, I don't really – I can't really remember the first time that the Lakers' identity was going to be, nah, we're just going to beat the hell out of you. You can go small. You can try it out. But you better make those shots or else you're gonna you're not gonna get offensive rebounds on us and we're gonna get offensive rebounds on you. And the thing about going small against them is like I wonder how often that's going to work and how often like because so the whole reason that Davis says he doesn't want to play center is he doesn't want to go up against the big guys, right? So yeah. like sure, that doesn't make sense to play him against like a traditional center in the regular season. That's mm-hmm. not what he wants, that's not what anyone wants, that's not what's best for him long term. I get it. Even mm-hmm. if the numbers say it's better, I get it. But like if you go small against the Lakers, like they're just gonna move and like until I see otherwise, I have a hard time believing that they're not just gonna move Anthony Davis down to center against your quote unquote center. You know, if that's like like some power forward masquerade and masquerading as center or yeah. small forward masquerading as center, like they're gonna be still be bigger than you and they're gonna be like just as fast. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just like, I, again, uh, this is not just overreacting to one preseason game. It's just sometimes like seeing it in action. It allows you to conceptualize things. I, yeah. I, this team is going to be really good. Yeah, I hope so. Should I do the whole like Bill Simmons rant? Should I be like, I, I just want to apologize to the Western Conference. To the Western this Conference. team is going to win. There's going to be a lot of garbage games. time. Yeah. A lot of games where LeBron has ice on his knees. A lot of fourth quarters that don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> The Celtics had a lot of fourth quarters that didn't matter. They were just getting yeah, blown out true. in the they playoffs. Yeah, they were just the other way around. Yeah. yeah. 
Shouts to Bill Simmons. Hire me for the ringer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to do the, the book? I think that was it in terms of, of yeah. reactions from the game. Because, like, the second half didn't matter. I, well, and I'm not really like, – I'm, I'm still waiting to see it with Kaycock. Like, I, it, I think he's going to be fine in the G League, but I don't think – Yeah, he's, he's very active. I think that he's going to have to show a little bit more than that to be something at the NBA level. Although him dunking on JaVale the other day and, like, the scrimmage, like, as soon as we got let in was, like, pretty great because he's not that big. So just, like, watching him just all of a sudden come out of nowhere like that was pretty funny. But, um, yeah. you know, he's fun. He's fun. I, I just don't, like he, – he still has to show a little bit more um, other stuff before he can be more than, like, your G League activity guy. I can't wait to see Taylor Horton Tucker for the first time. That's going to be fun to watch. Like you're going to go to a South Bay Lakers game, or he's not playing at all in the preseason. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like they they said the, that they'll reevaluate him. He he, along with Kuzma, will both be reevaluated and get a status update when they come back from China. Um, so but, like they'll be re- so, reevaluated sometime this week then. Yeah. So like maybe he'll play in the preseason. I don't know that he's. I don't want to be mean about this, but like, I don't no, know that he's, he's ready. Not ready. No, he's definitely yeah. not ready. No, you don't have to. You don't have to sugarcoat it. Yeah, you wear the fedora, dude. You're untouchable. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's like he's a kid and he's been injured for a little while. He just doesn't necessarily look like he's ready to hop into an NBA game right this second. <laughs> he has the blogger bod. All right, um, let's get to this Byron book. All right, let's uh, let's learn some strategies to success. So I've already gone through this once, so that kind of ruins the surprise element of it a little bit. I already but, forgot, um, dude. I'm not going to lie. I already forgot. Oh, wow. I really have been drinking. Um, okay, so <laughs> he's talking about, like, th- this chapter is on delegating authority and providing options. So as, a ma- as someone who manages a staff myself, I was like, this is going to be really valuable directly for me. Mm-hmm. So I learned a couple new ways to treat you and everyone else at Silver Screen and Roll during this chapter from Byron. So uh, what are the chances that when Byron first heard the word delegate that he thought it was building a gate around a deli? I don't think Byron's dumb. I think he's just like he's just like a meathead. Like he's just tough. <laughs> I don't like, think he's, he's dumb. Just, I just think he's like, like a version of dumb. No, yeah, I don't think I think he just like. He doesn't see he hasn't seen a problem that he's not ready to fist fight or that he couldn't like out tough, you know, he's like out there like punching algebra books. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking he's trigonometry. Like, he's like, don't let Byron anywhere near this China situation. He's gonna... <laughs> Yo, my God. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, he like talks about like back when he first got his job with the Nets that he interviewed Lawrence Frank for a job with the position. And I just thought this story was funny. Like that he, he's like, I interviewed him just before he went on his honeymoon and I called him mid romantic getaway. And I was like, wait, where is this sentence going? Like I was expecting based on what we know about Byron, the hard ass basketball coach, that it was going to be like, I wanted to see if he was committed and if he'd come back in on his honeymoon. Mm -hmm. But I was very disappointed to learn that he was just calling him to tell him he got the job. So like not the worst reason to interrupt someone's honeymoon. It made the honeymoon better. I wonder if Frank Vogel is still with his wife and how his then fiance felt about or no, it was her wife. Yeah, so I wonder if Frank his Vogel? not Frank Vogel. Frank 
Lawrence Frank. Lawrence, Lawrence Frank. Frank. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, I yeah, still... Frank Vogel. I don't know where you're going with this, but he's married. Yeah. No, I wonder if I wonder if Lawrence Frank is still uh, is still with his wife and what his wife thought about getting that call on their honeymoon. I mean, she found out he got a job, so she was probably pretty psyched. Like, probably a pretty good know. job too. So. Yeah, I mean, assistant coach under Byron. I don't know. Like you know. <laughs> He's turned uh, it into a pretty good career, though. He's he's like it in yeah, the front office with the Clippers somehow. So. How I don't know how he did that. He like went from getting demoted by Jason Kidd off of the bench as the highest paid assistant coach in the NBA to running the Clippers. Like, yeah, I've heard he's incredible. not the the most pleasant person to work with based off of. I um, think there were yeah, I think there were reports of that. Um, and so then I was just going to read you this sentence out of context. He just wrote writes as a head coach, the first thing you learn is that you can't handle everything. Or anything, something. Yeah. So I mean, now what I've learned, I can't. I think that I'm gonna have to take a step back from managing as many things at Silver Screen Roll. I'm just gonna start putting you in charge of a little bit more. That works um, for me. I think starting with post game transcriptions. No, uh, it's gonna be no. Did you see the? Oh, I I thought of you specifically when I saw this, but uh, I think like Michael Google Doc, the Microsoft Word is yeah. Gonna, not, until one of those actually works, I'm not gonna believe that any of them are, are gonna work. Okay. Most of them are just like riddled with errors. It sounds like someone who's never like heard English is trying to like write out what they heard most yeah. of the time. There's like or there's like weird tonal errors or stuff. Whatever. Anyway, this why is don't we, why out. don't we ever use the same technology that goes into like the closed captioning on TVs? Like I feel like it's a fairly similar technology. Those are way. Those are usually not always the most accurate either. Right, but like if you read through it, you know it's close enough. Yeah, you can go back and fix it, but for yeah. me, like, I feel like I gain more out of transcribing than I would like going and fixing a bunch of errors and whatever. You might miss something or misquote someone; it's just not worth it. Gotcha. Okay. Um. Anyway, so he then goes and talks about putting his like how he put his staff together and how he signed players to coaches and delegated responsibilities, and uh, he says like, you know, uh, like instead of putting head like point guards with a former point guard on his coaching staff or big men with a former big man. Like he just said uh, a lot of times, like he just start would start the season and see who the players gravitated towards. So he's removing specialization. And he just says to me, if you're a coach, you're a coach, (laughs) which like, I mean, yes. And I'm sure that most NBA assistant coaches, even if you were a big man, like you have some understanding of guard play because everyone kind of intermixes or whatever. But like, you know, like there's this thing called specialization. And yeah. like, like I wouldn't like I wouldn't necessarily like try and have you write some like nuanced take on something because I know that you're just a hot take artist. So <laughs> it's like I like how you're calling me the hot take artist while you're while your glasses literally fog up. As as a result of of how it is hot, so hot <laughs> in this apartment, you've no idea. Um, and so he just said that it's part of authority, and he says for him it has always worked. Always. For reminder, he wrote this after being every fired single him. stop that he's ever been at turned out perfect. Yeah. Um, so and then he also just basically talks about how he's single handedly responsible for the Showtime Lakers getting swole because he was the one that wanted to work out, even though like Jerry West, because at the time people didn't want basketball players to work out mm-hmm. um, like, you know, you have to like lead by example and do what you feel is right. And so he was talking to J- Gary Vitti, uh, who he describes as the half pint Tom Selleck Italian stallion, uh, which See, is just half pint. Yes. 
pint. Because he's short. Yeah, I, I know. Is Gary Vitti short by like normal standards or yeah, short by like NBA short player? By standards. Yeah, oh. he's not that tall. Okay. So I don't know. That was that description Half was pint tops. Yeah, he has the mustache. I know that. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, he just said like I just want to lift, and then he's like, sure enough, you know, everyone was lifting with me in Hawaii. So I think he just like low key like alpha Jerry West and was like, no, I knew better <laughs> for that specific team. <laughs> Uh, I think Michael Thompson was on the team at one point there, and Michael Thompson was like a historically strong dude. Like he's really, yeah, really know, strong. He didn't lift. Maybe he's just naturally that strong. No, he still brags <laughs> to this day about how hard he used to work. He still works out like really hard, actually. He's in really good shape. Okay. Well, I learned something today. Yeah. But also, and then finally, like the last subhead of this chapter was embrace the successor, which otherwise known as the exact opposite approach as he took with D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle. <laughs> um, but he's talking about hiring his assistant coaching staff. And he says, like, he has one key question that he goes to at, when he's making the final decision on someone. And he says, do I trust that he's not backstabbing me trying to get my job? And, like, I just think that this would be an excellent chapter to read to Frank Vogel at the next, like, home Lakers <laughs> practice. <laughs> for no reason you know i just want like is 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 that is he looking at as like a negative like if you aren't vying for his job are you yeah, does he doesn't he... want you to buy for his job because then he goes on to like basically trash like i mean he doesn't completely trash him he's like diplomatic about it but like Not lawrence thrilled. frank for befriending jason kidd and then the two of them like or Jason Kidd kind of executing a coup and wanting Byron out, which he describes as the only time a player wasn't happy and ran behind my back to management <laughs> to complain. And then, uh, which again, After. that cannot possibly be true. Um, and, and then he basically just says that, uh, if like Oof. the Nets hadn't fired him, they would have won one of their finals appearances. So, just all around a good chapter. They would have beat one of the three Lakers. <laughs> he just says, like, I feel like we were building something. And what is it? What are his, his, his exact words? Keith Van Horn was going to take no, that. No, okay, so he doesn't check. say exactly that. He doesn't say exactly that. He said, okay. we had been to the finals two years in a row, and we had the same personnel. So had we stuck together, I think we would have won a championship. Over yeah, it's like the nothing about those Lakers. Last... No, not the three peak Lakers were like broken up by that point. Well, but even still, though, like that was still a league that featured teams that could beat the three peat Lakers, right? Yeah. So, no, Byron, I don't think you were heading in that direction in New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, go ahead and guess no. But so, what <laughs> I learned is that you, every time something goes wrong for you, you blame people for backstabbing you. Mm -hmm. And just like That's if you get fired anywhere, yeah, if you get fired anywhere, you just say that uh, you would have, like, you they would have been the doing better if you were still there. He's delegating the blame. Yeah. You don't hey, delegate that's good. the jobs. So I just, that's what I figured out. Anytime Seth, uh, my boss, just disagrees with anything I do, I'm just going to be like, well, actually, that was Anthony's idea. <laughs> and he'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm just sharing the blame amongst everyone. <laughs> so I think we are learning the strategies of success slowly but surely from this seemingly endless book. <laughs> this um, book is never going to end. He's going to come out with volume two just to spite us. Oh, God. I think we are, like, <laughs> legally, contractually committed to read it, too. I think so. All right. That'll do it for this episode, uh, this week's episode of The Lake Show. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. A reminder to continue to tune in for to all of the shows across this uh, feed. We have great hosts throughout the week. Joss is really good on, on the Monday shows. Harrison and I host Tuesdays. Uh, Sabrina also has a show. Christian and Jacob have a show. 
Um, there's just there's plenty of I'm missing Alex somebody. And Alex, Alex and Alex. I was I was I was, hey man. I I knew I was gonna forget somebody as I had. It's late. It's late. I was just. I'm waiting delegating to the blame on you for whoever you forgot. I'm delegating the blame. You were supposed to come through faster with that. Yeah. Uh, no. The I Alex and Alex. So the. I... By the way, guys, just just name it AMA. Like there, that's your that's your show title. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. Keep your fingers crossed that this uh, Lakers thing doesn't spin completely out of control.